Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. Okay, so are you ready? I, I'm super ready. I was born ready. Uh, this is true. Today's episode of The Real Deal On is brought to you by GuidedHypnotic.com. That's GuidedHypnotic.com. If you're feeling stressed out, anxiety-ridden, perhaps struggling with night terrors or even worse, day terrors, go ahead and download your free hypnotic guided meditation at GuidedHypnotic.com. Sure, it's sponsored by me. Very impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a treat. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, it's crazy. We try and like talk. We text back and forth, call you. Every time I call, you're like, oh, hey, baby, I'm in the middle of something. I, I, I've got, you know, 12 things going on. We're getting on the road and uh, I've got eight fires to put out. Can I call you later? And then, uh, and then we don't connect for a bit. Right. Yeah, but, but we still circle around. and, and We uh, always circle back, dovetail back into reality. So let's give a little background here. I'm going to read a little bit of your bio, not the whole thing, because you are so accomplished that I can't even read your entire career in less than a minute. It's going to be like, it would, the whole show would be me reading your career. You've got a book. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's, here we go. Let's start a little bit. All right, cool. Raymond Lewis Amico. Ray Amico is a multifaceted musician, composer, producer, studio engineer for over 30 years known as the guitar player in the legendary New York Bizarre Core band Six and Violence, as well as a veteran tour manager, production manager, front of house sound engineer, and tour accountant. That is pretty cool. Born in Brooklyn, New York in the late 60s, Ray started out in the early 80s, first as a musician, then as a producer and studio engineer. Ray worked for several years in various New York City studios as an engineer for AM Records, working on projects for artists such as Celine Dion, Taylor Dane, Mariah Carey, Cheap Trick, Norman Bates and the Showerheads, and many, many others. I worked on those with you. You did. From the mid-80s through the late 2000s, Ray was best known as a guitarist for the New York bizarre core band Six and Violence, who were known on the scene for their radically strange music and stage shows. Who drew, which drew notice from the Ian, from Ian Anderson of Jethro Tull, who loved the band so much that he played flute on two songs for their 1989 debut album, Let Us Pray. Now that lettuce is lettuce the vegetable. The same year that Jethro Tull controversially won the Grammy for Best Hard Rock Heavy Metal Recording. I believe the reason why they won that award was because of Ian's performance on The Six and Violence and they did not know how to make that all happen for you, is, is my guess. We've always had a, a real influence on the, on the Grammys and uh, every, other, every other major uh, award. I know, that possibly, it's, it's so that possibly, true. I, could, I couldn't have written it better myself there, uh, Doug. Unbelievably. And I just want to add, because the stuff that is um, important, because we'll, we'll be talking about the transformation, is over the past 25 years, you've been on the road almost constantly, which is true. We started that. 
working with artists internationally, with artists such as Tony Braxton, John Fogarty, George Lopez, Dane Cook, Smash Mouth, Keisha, Devo, Fiona Apple, Sublime, The Cult, Jane's Addiction, The Two Skinny Jays, which we did together, I believe, right? We were yes, in fact. Yes, we did. Yep. Uh, Zucaro, Panic at the Disco, Dream Theater, Weird Al, Weird Al Ankovic, System of a Down, Nancy Sinatra, TSO, the Trans Siberian Orchestra, Mark and Mark Wood and Laura Kay were on last week. They say, hey, Eric Johnson, Sheik with Nile Rodgers, the Beastie Boys, Sinead O'Connor, Daryl uh, Hall and John Oates, Jim Gaffigan, and many, many others. Um, dude, so so glad that you took time out of your crazy schedule although i know we're kind of capitalizing on the fact that uh touring as we know it has stopped for a moment so yeah, we're, we're, de- we're taking a, a, a breather yeah so i'm i'm of course uh capitalizing on that uh opportunity it was so, good. so let's let's dig in we've known each other i i said over 20 years it could be even more than that it is. It, it's actually closer to 30 years because when we were both uh, working, we, we met working at the same studio. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cove, City, Cove City Sound Studios and, uh, and Dream in, uh, in New York City in the early 90s. So technically, that's getting close to, that's getting close to 30 years. That's, that's not right. You're bringing, starting to feel old now. We were both four years old at the time. That's right. Yes, it was amazing. The opportunities were provided. It was more of a daycare center. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it was, when we think back, I mean, we were quite young at that time. And um, yeah, the, the opportunities provided were amazing. I mean, we worked on some incredible records and, you know, participated in multiple Grammys and, and also got to do some just incredible variety of music. Yeah, uh, definitely, was- definitely, a vari- definitely like, uh, like, Spanning, spanning the, the 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 musical genre. I mean, because it was it was never it was never really one particular genre. The studio itself, being an A and M house studio, you know, the producers and stuff that was brought in, and a lot of the music was brought in. What was I mean, stuff like Taylor and and Mariah and and everything. So there was there was that aspect of it. But being a functioning studio back then at the time, I mean, you know, all different kinds of artists and everything all coming in and you and I get in to like literally go from this project to that project. It was, it was exciting. It was exciting time. Oh yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. I still talk to almost everybody uh, that was uh, in, you know, involved there. Um, You know, I I still see Richie Kanata occasionally. He's going to be on the show. We just have to schedule the time. Uh, I've seen him play with the Lords of 52nd street now a bunch of times when he comes by. Um, obviously mark and laura i talked to dan Mm -hmm. but so share so we here we are we're making these records and the as it's going you know i i joined fat for a while and um you were tour managing both fat and jays at the same time or is it well it was uh the transition or or the way that that actually worked was uh, i mean going back to even my 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 days playing in like the six and violence and uh, starting to produce and engineer stuff that, that was where I, I, I started really basically not only with the six and violence producing and engineering all of our own stuff, also uh, our sister band, Norman Bates and Showerheads. Um, so I was, I was the young kid of, of the whole group, but always had my, my, my fingers in the, in, in everything. So that really piqued my interest of, of, of studio work and everything. So, and, um, 
uh, Cove City was was my first real real studio gig when you and I when you and I met and I mean the learning curve and and you know working on SSLs and Mozarts and and you know old old school old school uh, outboard etc like that it was a it was a huge huge learning curve but for me after a couple of years there doing that and working on these projects um, there was a real glass ceiling uh, occurring by the '90s in terms of how far. I potentially may have gone as as a producer engineer in the studio, and fortunately, you and I had had worked on on Fat's debut record on A and M. You mixing the, the entire record and 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 me working on all the on all the uh, tracking and everything with you. Fat and then Fat literally came to me and said, "Listen, we we need someone to go on the road with us and do our sound and tour manage us and everything." And like I said, from being literally 15 years old in the Six and Violence and basically doing all that for myself, I you know, was in my early 20s, mid 20s, early mid 20s and said, yeah, I, I totally do that. So I basically left, left Cove and hit the, hit, the, hit the road with fat. And I've been on the road nonstop for the last 25, 20, 26 years, literally since that fat uh, tour, you know, those, those fat tours. Um, and they so, were, yeah. they were, they were good. Uh, they were good segue in quick, quickly into the touring world. Other, you know, from the studio world, going straight into the touring world. And it worked out so perfectly and elegantly for you because you didn't stop. Like you were able to to find your um, your niche, for lack of a better word. Um, because it, the good news is for you, it didn't impact. So for the way it impacted me when Napster came out. You know, that was like the peak peak of my career in, in the music industry um, because that started to change the whole dynamics. You know, Pro Tools, that technology where Pro Tools came out and studios started closing and um, I ended up joining Fat and we went on the road together and then uh, A&M went away and then we went over to Sony and, and Sony, we're like, okay, we're, we're on Sony. This is going to be great. And then the record never came out. And, um <laughs> And that, by the way, that was an amazing record. I was so proud of that record. It was, it, but anyway, I digress. So I had to find a new way to reposition um, and find a new way to, you know, make, I, I made the choice to help people make music of their lives. How was that for you when you saw the studios closing and you saw potentially the record companies not maybe supporting tours as much. How did you position yourself? Was that, a, did that show up for you? Well, for me, for me personally, uh, I found pretty early that as much as I love making my own music and, and still do to this day, I like, I'm literally working on music right now, but I found that I could make a living more helping other people make their, do their music necessarily than than me i've i've tons of friends in in huge bands and i used to make fun of them all the time and say you know you've played for tens of thousands of people i've played for thousands of tens of people you know like like i've it, me and my own music wasn't necessarily gonna gonna bring me into a, a career career but the music industry and and all the facets of it were definitely something that i was able to more dial in because i i've always fancy literally like because i can I can do almost anything related into it. I, I obviously not only do sound, but I play all the instruments, meaning so that I can also tech all the instruments. Um, from, to, from doing sound and tour managing at like, those van level kind of tours with, uh, with Fat and everything, 
very, very quickly and rapidly went into, you know, arenas and much larger venues, et cetera, learning production. And for all these years now, I've been wearing a lot of hats as, as a production manager, tour manager, front of house sound engineer, monitor engineer, tour accountant. Um, I basically likened myself to, I'm the guy in the parade that follows the elephant. You know, like there's just, you know, like I got to shovel my hand and I got to handle shit or, uh, or I I am basically the wolf, the Mr. Wolf in, in Pulp Fiction. Like what, what has, what has to get done? What has to get fixed? Let's do it right now. Now, would you say that your range of skill sets is uh, unique or is the, the, the gig that you have or the gigs that you've had, uh, is it commonplace for someone to have such a wide and varied uh, set of skills and abilities in, in it, the tour management, production? Well, all that? It, start, it started out as a necessity, like being at that level uh, of touring where, you know, the band you're touring with can barely afford you, let alone a couple of people. So wearing multiple hats at, at that level in that time is out of, is out of necessity. Um, larger, larger acts, you know, a, a single truck, two truck kind of tour going into theaters and, you know, et cetera. Um, you're, you're able to wear a couple of hats and streamline your crew, streamline you know, the amount of, amount of bodies and people that you have around you. And that, that's, that's a, that's a skill set that's, not everybody has, but it's certainly beneficial. The guys, the guys that I know, you know, we all we all know each other in this business because uh, it's not it's not that big of a business. It it literally is very circular and and cyclical, and uh, we all we all kind of circle each other and hand off to each other and everything. So there are a lot of guys who do that, but uh, it kind of goes in two different directions. Uh, as you're getting into larger acts, et cetera, like that, um, you'll you'll find that it's not necessarily that particular job where you should be handling them, many things or, 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 uh, you know, you, you the jobs become so intense that you really shouldn't be handling that many things. You should really concentrate on one or two, one or two things instead of trying to wear three or four hats, you know, on, on a single tour, the benefits say for management and, and business management is a whole different story of that because uh, as bands have become more uh, reliant on touring for their incomes, the, the, the incomes from record sales, et cetera, and everything like that, not as much as it what it used to be. They're much more reliant upon their touring uh, income. Therefore, where can they streamline costs? Where can we, you know, where can we, where can we uh, uh, keep our, keep our, our costs level down, which back in the day, if you're wearing a couple of hats, you certainly are, are in the, uh, in the position of saying, well, uh, I, I deserve this much because I'm doing all these things. What you find now is that business managers and managers and like that have become very, very used to now having less people that they need to uh, put on payroll, et cetera, like that. And, uh, you know, it gets tougher where you're, you're really having to demand, hey, listen, you know, I, I'm saving you, I'm saving you extra airfare, I'm saving you extra hotel rooms, I'm saving you, uh, you know, extra per diems, I'm saving you all these extra costs that should be passed down, you know, to, to you for, for doing that for them. Of course. Now, do you, um, do you do ever like rev share? Is that ever part of the conversation? Or is it always a, a flat rate? No, you're generally generally in the music business and in, in, in that 
aspect of it, you're, you're really a hired gun. And, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your services are, you're, you're being paid for your services. And obviously, um, there are different acts and different scenarios, uh, different things like being, being held on retainer that, uh, that an artist is like, you know what, whether I'm on the road or not, I, I'm, I'm going to pay you something. I don't want you deal. to go. Yeah. Or, you know, for me, me, uh, it's very, it was, it's very common that I work with usually average of like say three or four different artists in the span of a year because they're not necessarily all touring at the same time or they're going back into an album cycle going back in the studio or, or doing this and that and uh you know i'm i'm you know like i said the the guy following the elephant i, I just i go follow the other i go follow another elephant you find another elephant <laughs> so on on that level um when you talk about like working with different artists and so forth if have you ever had, and now kind of geeking out a little, um, done a uh, live, like recorded live shows? And like, is it on a tour? Do they do multiple shows where they're making a live record? And then are they, you know, fixing them on the road and going, oh, let's break out the studio. I got to, you know, fix a couple of parts or, re, you know, re-sing something. Back in the day, I'll give you a perfect example. So, so you brought up the Two Skinny Jays, uh, which, uh, which was a, a, one of my favorite, 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 favorite bands in the entire world. Yeah, favorite, 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 favorite people in the entire world. And um, literally, when uh, when I got when I got hired, basically to do them to 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 torment them to show them how much I wanted to work with them, I took one of their songs and I re-recorded the entire song, played everything, and gave Pluto. it to yeah, gave it yeah, Pluto's a planet, um, yeah. and I, I gave it to them. Said, "This is how bad I want to work with you guys." Um, <laughs> We we did uh, a lot of like live recordings. We uh, I I try to I try to track and record uh, every one of their shows. So I've got a I've got a library of of old Two Skinny J shows. And then we did film a DVD, totally guerrilla style. I mean, like we we had like two or three two or three of our friends with with two or three cameras. Um, I set up a multi track in front of house, which we didn't carry or anything like that, and had a lot of technical issues about it. But we you know we we tracked it and recorded it and. Uh, after we did that, like literally on the road, mixing it, like uh, had to fix a vocal or two here and there. Mm-hmm. That's fairly common. Um, to, to the furthest extent, where uh, with Dream Theater, we filmed uh, we filmed a live DVD at the Budokan uh, at the uh, at Budokan in, in in Tokyo, and um, it was fantastic. I mean, it was I mean it was it was glorious. Uh, How does that complicate the the gig? I well. You're, first of all, you don't do it. You don't. You don't record or film your first show of the tour. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, you learned that by experience. Yeah, I learned that by by using my brain. <laughs> like, like, you don't. You don't debut in L.A. or New York. You 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 you, you debut in in Omaha or some or somewhere, and you work out the kinks. And then once you work out the kinks, halfway through the year of of doing it, and everybody's everybody's got their their stuff down, that's when you now decide to bring the other production element into it, where you know you've got whole another whole another uh, uh, crew of you know engineers and and uh, gaffers and cameramen and and gear, and I mean just you know it becomes a, it becomes a way more uh, involved involved process and how many shows did you record when you did that were they just one night or is it a few that they get put together we usually do a few just to make sure that we got it and uh the 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 funny the funniest part of that one that we did um 
there was a certain time. Dream theater shows are fantastic. They're, you know, yeah. they're, they're long, they're extensive. I mean, they, they play their catalog, you know, lock in their catalog. There's a lot of beats. Um, a lot, a lot of beats, you know, <laughs> uh, I got 99 time, time changes in, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. eight one, um, four, four, eight, one. Um, so, uh, basically like there's a time frame of with, with the, with the building and union and going into overtime and sort of like that. So I had to give uh, I had to, I had to tell uh, Mike uh, Portnoy, I was like, listen, like, like when you're coming down to the end of the show, like this is by this time, we are going to go into, into overtime and expenses and costs. And he said, no, no, we'll, we'll be able to squeeze it in. So they were, they were, they were getting into the last, into the last song. Um, and, uh, and I ran up behind behind Mike on the drum kit because it's it's like eleven minute song and I'm I'm like I'm like Mike you're never gonna make it so just you know don't worry about it and he's like no we'll make it they played that song like like a horse running down running a, like that they they played it so freaking fast and I was like you don't have to play it extra fast you're not gonna make it anyway we're paying for it don't worry about it so I love watching that DVD it's one of my favorite uh, live DVDs but when you when you get up to the end I mean it, it, it's uh. It, some somebody might say, "Wow, they got they got a serious live tempo going." Right? <laughs> no, no, they were trying to. Were, oh, that is some cool backstory. Is that mentioned anywhere on the DVD or anything? So that someone. Oh, that's uh, pretty I, cool. All right. I have no idea to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. share how. What's your mindset? As you know, a, a tour ends. Do you already have another gig lined up? Do you are you marketing yourself? Are you calling people like, hey, I'm I'm ready? You know, I got you know something's ending. Like, how do you keep that flow going? Because it's an entrepreneurial gig. I mean, you're it's a gig. You know, it's a gig. It's not salaried. You don't have you know guaranteed another tour. Right. How do you market yourself? How do you continue the flow? Well, as I was saying before, the fact that it's not a large industry. It's a large industry, but it's not a crazy amount of people that do it. So we, we all know each other okay. independently, et cetera. So there's a lot of circumstances where, you know, you're on a, you're on a tour and you know how long it's booked for the booking agent has already, has already kind of said like, you know, we're, we're up to this date and you're doing dil due diligence with management, et cetera, going, okay, is anything else booked after this? What's uh, if, if it's uh, January, February, which is a slow time of the year, um, you're generally like, you know, starting up with an artist. Okay. What, what's your plan for the year? Like, what's your, what's mm -hmm. your plan? Cause you, you really need to be several months ahead of yourself in terms of, in terms of not only flexibility, but, you know, planning out like, Hey, am, am I going to be able to get home for a little while to see, to see the wife and kids and, and, and the puppy dogs, you know? So, so yeah, there's an interesting, just to side note, I don't want to forget is the dealing with that. You have a family, Right. How often are you home? As often as you can and as often as, as it's not really necessarily maybe your choice uh, because if you're working and obviously things, things are harder these days than, than they necessarily were back in the day or if you're, you know, you're a bit younger, maybe you don't have a family and, and you know, you're, you're a bit more free will and everything. As you, get, as you get older and, you know, you have your family, you have your responsibilities, you're really, you're really kind of balancing, you know, the, the, the time um, and, and also hopefully choices of, of gigs. Like, hey, I, I, I would be available for this, but your touring schedule is, is say, longer than, than I necessarily want to commit to. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe there are things that you pass on 
because, you know, literally because of that. If, you, if you're just literally going to take any gig that's offered, anything that's thrown at me, um, you know, you're, you're, really, you're really beholden to, to uh, other people's uh, everything. So it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a juggle. It's a juggling. And now that you've been doing this longer and you're more established, you have probably less fear about turning down a gig because you know that you have enough um, momentum in the industry, enough resources, enough contacts, enough confidence that if there's a gig that comes up, you're not going to go, oh, no one's going to call me again. Uh, I think everyone, I, I, everyone that I know, let's put it this way, as confident as they might be or, or, uh, or, or uh, confident in, in not only their, their previous history of work, et cetera, like that, there's still always like that little tinge, of every, like the little idiosyncrasies or, or nervousness or, you know, like, uh, you know, you, you buy you buy a new you you buy a new car and you got the car payments you like all of a sudden like oh crap like those those car payments are coming around again like, yeah, like they oh. don't stop when I stop yeah. right why 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 can't why can't you just be fair no so um, <laughs> so I think there's a little bit of a of a of a, of a balance between having the confidence uh, of 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 your of confidence in yourself of the, you know uh, when you go for a gig or you know you're interviewing or everything like that. Um, it's you're you're reflecting what your what your resume is of the of what you've done before, and that is that is literally who you are. What 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 you've done it shows what you can do. So, so your you discography is like your tour schedule, your past pretty tour much. schedule. Yeah, pretty much. And and yeah, and and like I said, you need to do have the the confidence uh, in that. Um, also, I mean, you're 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 interviewing, say, for for a position, working with artists, etc., like that. Um, so what, you, what's that like? So you interview. So do you interview with the manager, with the artist, with the agent? Like who? Yes. All of them. Basically, yeah, because uh, you are in in the position of say tour manager or production manager or or, or something like that. Uh, you are coming in to be an extension an extension of of management. Right, working alongside them, um, an extension of business management, right, which are two separate entities, uh, an extension of say the artist. If you are working like you know very very close with with an artist and their their family, making making sure that they are comfortable with you, that you know artists artists uh, artists are, are a different breed, and they also have a lot of idiosyncrasies and, and, uh, paranoias. I mean, in, in this industry and everything, um, got to be real reflective of that. So yeah, you, you interview basically with, with pretty much everybody so that they, they know who they've gotten and, and who's coming into their family, who's coming in to, to take care of stuff. Do you have a pattern of the people you uh, interview best with like the role? Is it the tour manager, the business manager, the artist, the, you know, like, is there someone that say, those interviews, you know, ah, oh, that'll be great. That'll be fine. And then you get a little nervous, like, okay, those are always a little touchy. No, to be, cause to be honest with you, uh, like if you're, if you're tour manager interviewing with, with management, that man, that manager knows exactly who and what they're looking for. And because it's such a small industry, we all know each other. I might've worked for that manager for a different band already. My reputation okay, yeah. Uh, working with another artist, like, you know, they know each other. So um, you can't and shouldn't really burn any bridges in, in this business from an, act, from an artist or actor you've worked with before, because 
you may not work necessarily with that artist, but you certainly are going to work with their booking agent on right. a bunch of different artists. You, with management, uh, management might say, you know what, this this was good. It wasn't the perfect fit, but I've got this other I've got this other artist. I think you'd be a much better fit with with that. So, and so that uh, before, where someone has uh, been. Well, I've worked. I've worked with different artists from from the same manager or uh, booking agents or 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 even even my tour my travel agents et cetera like that have been you know big big helps in terms of like I, I want to put you in for this I want to I want to put you in for that because they know you and they know what you do and you know they're they're privy to to what what the needs are. And have you ever gone into an interview and met with them and, and not burned a bridge, but like, you know what, I, I don't think this is going to be for me and turn down the gig when, when yeah. offered perhaps. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a give and take because uh, like I said, unless, unless you're just desperate, desperate, um, you got to see whether this is going to be for you. You know, there, there, there are gigs that I've done that I, you know, I dove headlong into it and gave it, gave it literally my all. Um, but it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't the right, uh, it wasn't the right scenario. And, you know, uh, it, it didn't quite work. It didn't quite work or fit just the right way. And there Have are, you ever there left others- the tour because of that? Like in the middle of it and been like, you know what, this, this isn't working. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And and uh, I'm I'm not going to say who. No, I'm not uh, asking you. I, I would. No, no, no. no but I'm, the reason I'm saying this because I went straight to the artist and and said, I love you. I I've loved helping you, um, but I think I think you you'd be better off with with someone else. I think it would work better for you. Or uh, you know, we had actually toured together for quite a while, and I, I even said, I was like, you know, it, it's you probably uh, probably should have somebody else in this uh, doing this, and and I still and I still love you. And I, and I still talk, I still talk to them, you know, still, still hang, you know, like, yep. uh, like one room again. So, uh, so yeah, that, that, that without a doubt happens when you, when you've been doing it long enough where you can recognize the signs, you can recognize, uh, I guess, I guess it would probably be akin to anybody who's been in a relationship before and, and like realizing that, that the relationship's just not really working. R- right. <laughs> so here we are now, three months ago, three, four months ago, there was, uh, an awkward stop to everything. Um, Who were you with and and what happened at that time? Or were you on on the road? And then- Yeah, I had had the fortune, I had the fortune, um, I lived lived in Rome uh, for years. Actually, when I was was production manager for for Dream Theater, I, I moved to Rome, Italy. And while I was there, I worked with several different Italian promoters and productions who would hire me to be kind of the intermediary- uh, production manager working for them, but being able to work with the English and American crews that would c- come in for, you know, on tours, you know, so they had someone who could speak, speak Italian to the Italians, speak English to the English. And you speak, so you speak Italian, they probably Italiano. Okay. Yeah. If you lived there, you better, my Italian is not fantastic, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I speak Italian. So, uh, so I'd worked for an Italian promoter there years ago when I lived there. And just so fortunately this last year, uh, the Italian singer Eros Ramazzotti, he, uh, he had a tour booked last, last uh, January, February, March. So of 2009, of uh, 2000. Uh, uh, 18, which uh, just before they were about to do, I was going to do the tour with him and he had developed a, uh, a throat issue. So they had, to, they had to postpone that entire tour. So this past January, February, March, they were a- we were able to do that tour. So I was, I was on the road in Central and South America with uh, Eros and his uh, full Italian band and crew 
um, in January, February into like literally the beginning of March. And if you recall where the, where the virus really hit first was Nidalee. Yeah. So uh, as we're finishing up the tour, we were in Central and South America, just, just coming back into the States. Uh, literally, this was about March 1st. The Italians were, were all starting to get very, very nervous. Uh, uh, obviously, large sections of, of the country were getting shut down. They were starting to get worried if they could even get home to be with their family. Um, so I, I, had, uh, I, I was literally on tour as that, was, uh, as that was happening. So what did you guys do? You just cut it off? Did you end the, the dates? Like did well, you I decide a, to or did the venues decide to? No, well, the, the venue, well, definitely the promoters and, and venues, uh, we were still doing shows, but you could see the writing on the wall, uh, especially with uh, the big, the big uh, live nations and you know, big promoters and everything like that. Um, so we were, we were winding down to literally just the last handful of shows okay. when, this, when that was all happening. And then I, I unfortunately took a double hit uh, because uh, that was the beginning of March, uh, the tornadoes that hit Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, that's right. Had, yeah, you were there. I, my wife and I were, had been living there. We had just moved back to California, but I had, a, I had a storage unit full of my music gear and studio gear and stuff like that that took a direct hit in the, uh, in the tornado. So I, we, had maybe, we had maybe two shows left back with Eros, and I said, scusi, me scusi, I got I to gotta head to Nashville. So um, I had left with two shows left to go, and they wound up canceling those two shows because of, because of the uh, virus. Wow. Yeah, so how did the, the, all your stuff with your gear, with anything salvageable? Um, well, a little tiny bit. I mean, the, the, it was completely destroyed. Uh, the roof was roof ripped off the walls collapsed in. So, uh, they basically deemed it a, a complete destruction, but made me sign waivers upon death of you can go in and see what you could salvage. Most of which was completely water damaged, et cetera. And, and, and that I couldn't even pull out because of the wall. So I, pulled out what I could in the condition that it was in, threw it in a, in a different storage unit about 10 miles south there, had a single day to just kind of look through destroyed stuff and then oh, was like, okay, dude. I got I, I to gotta go back and shelter in place. And, and I've been sheltering in place ever since. So I, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Oh, wow. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Uh, did you have another gig lined up that uh, yes. is – and? Yeah, I was I was scheduled to start up uh, literally um, by mid March. Uh, I had actually uh, a, a couple of different projects that I had been working on and talking about, and I was just about to go into rehearsals and or, and and start start advancing gi uh, gigs. And uh, talked talked with management, and they were just like, "We're not doing anything. It's 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 all stopped." Have you heard any rumblings of starting up again? Is there like? Because, like, in my world, I'm speaking, all, all my gigs, you know, disappeared. And, you know, that's kind of the, the inspiration to do this show, to also help people, but also to continue, you know, engaging. And because um, most, is, most importantly, is awesome. it's making a difference, you know, and, and helping which people see awesome. what's possible, especially when people are like, I don't know what to do. So let's find people who have been through, you know, things and had to adjust. And there's, there's patterns in that. Um, Tony Robbins is doing an event in August in uh, Texas. He's used to doing the last event we did uh, with him was 14,000 people in Miami. This is going to be 2,200 or 2,500 people. And I haven't spoken to them. I'm not, you know, I'm not part of the, the team anymore. Right. I could ask, I just, I, out of curiosity, uh, 
but it's starting like tonight there's a networking event that we're going to and and like there's so people in, here in florida anyway things are opening up and and now we're you know people are like oh you know it's, it's maybe not a good idea but how, what's been going on in in that in your world is there a buzz are people talking about like oh we got to do something there's a there's a lot i mean everybody's everybody's communicating uh there's been a lot of uh been a lot of uh, webinar, webinars and 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 uh, and town town virtual town meetings to discuss thing uh, things, and um, there's a couple of there's a couple of things that people are attempting. So, for instance, this has now kicked off a lot of people doing uh, say online perform an online performance, trying to post it or or, or put it out there, somehow monetize it. Um, you know, which, Randy which, Jackson, Tony Harnell, those guys I saw exactly, doing that. Exactly. Um, There's a couple of production houses that I've been speaking to that are setting themselves up now for being able to say, produce a safe event for broadcast. Um, uh, so that's that's something that's happening. There's obviously there's been some drive uh, some drive-in uh, shows, meaning they've trans transformed an outdoor either drive-in theater or, or a drive-in movie theater or, or, or a, an outdoor area. And uh, I think Keith Urban did one in, in Nashville. Um, and I think Garth Brooks, I think, is getting ready to do something. How successful is that? Um, from what I understand, as a unique experience, probably, uh, probably well. But in terms, of, in terms of, say, ramping up to do a lot of stuff, there's not a lot of drive-in theaters around anymore. No, there, yeah, that, that had really gone the wayside, you know, and, yeah. and, until everyone saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's what a drive-in theater looked like. Um, I'm, a, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful yet cynical. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that things can happen and work out. It, my personal opinion, uh, I believe in science, um, I believe that I, I don't want people to put themselves in jeopardy and, and, and uh, I don't think anyone should. So uh, I, I'm very, very cautiously just watching to, to see when things develop more into say a, a, a vaccine, you know, a vaccine or, or, or something. Cause the, the idea of, of say a bunch of people getting back on a bus and living together tightly to go from place to place to place to do shows. It's a, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a very slow ramp up in my opinion because just the, the cautious nature uh, the cautious nature of of from the from a business aspect the promoters and age and agents and everyone who have to pitch it to artists those artists generally their 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 deals are either you know say flat guarantees based on how many tickets sold for the right. price that they're sold or they're split their there's versus deals which are a split between the promoter and and the and basically the, the artist um where it's a mutually beneficial thing of well, how yeah, the formula is going to change for everything it, ha it has to because the the profitability on both sides the promoters who have to front the money up and expecting crowds to come that don't have necessarily a lot of extra income right now. So like, you know, I, someone said it best. I heard it. Uh, uh, it was one of the, it was one of the, uh, the doctors that I, you know, I watch on a lot of the news programs and, and he flat out said, he said, if all four members of the Beatles right now announced a show, he's like, I wouldn't go, you know, like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you, like that is called, that's, that's cautious. Well, you know, the hope is that, uh, 
these challenges are going to create some innovation. Um, and we'll see what that all looks like, you know, no pun intended sounds like. Yeah. Um, what's going to be interesting is also the, the, the science of physics. Things at rest tend to stay at rest. Things in motion tend to stay in motion. And yes. right now, because it's at a stop still, and because we know how much, like, well, you and I know, and I even, I don't know to obviously to the degree you know, because again, I, the biggest tours I did were van tours. I, I've never done, you know, where like we were, I mean, we were hauling our own gear. Um, so, but, th but that sh those shows were probably w through a booking agent who right. had to do all of the legwork and everything of, say, booking it with promoters who scheduling ver like versus the, you know, like every, all all those elements. Even right, I'm saying it's on a big scale. When you when you multiply that with more people, it slows everything down even more, just right. because of the bureau bureaucracy of it all, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, so interesting now, and I, I, I'm hoping, and maybe we could, we'll talk about this, so you can maybe connect me with some other artists, because um, I'd really like to get their take on it, like, because for them, their bread and butter has been performing, has been live interaction, and they do it not just for the money, they do it for the psycho remuneration. How are they doing right now? Because I saw, I felt so bad. I saw Paul Stanley, you know, in his house a couple of times, like just playing and, and all that. Like, how are they going to, and, and maybe you, you were speaking to someone, you, you've got some insight. How are they dealing with this right now? Well, I don't know if you just heard, like, uh, my, my puppy dogs just started to sort of raise, raise oh, up. I heard Paul Stanley. Uh, Paul Stanley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're big kids. Um, well, art, as I was saying before, artists. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a completely different, a completely different head. Creatively, uh, you know, they're a living yes, but, but just, you know, the feeding, feeding off a live audience, et cetera, like that. Um, it's... It's it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing. I, I've spoken to, to a couple of, of my my uh, stable of, of different artists that I work with and everything because they st stay in touch uh, uh, with, with a lot of them. And um, there's there's a there's a lot of hesitancy. There's a lot of just like uh, you know hesitancy not only in their own hesitancy of putting their fans in any kind of jeopardy. You mm -hmm. know, like so I I from what I've seen from talking to I just have sensed uh, sensed a lot of uh, just. Uh, uh, not, like not non-committal, uh, not wanting, not wanting to, not wanting to commit to, to it. Um, being able to do something, you know, unique, like, like a, you know, like a, a one-off kind of thing, you know, for the fans, I think is, it's, it's a nice gesture. It's a, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool gesture. And I've been seeing that a lot. Um, I mean, uh, I've been watching a lot of the a lot of quarantine videos, which I think are awesome. In fact, uh, uh, Charlie Benanti from uh, from Anthrax and Scott from Anthrax, something like that, have been doing uh, a bunch of them. Charlie's been Charlie's been doing a whole bunch with uh, with, uh, with Skolnick and everything like that, and they're awesome because it's they're you know they're playing covers and you know just like you know literally just jamming and mixing it together and quarantine you know quarantining for the fun of it. Um, I actually just, I just did one that, uh, we're actually going to post, uh, it's going to post either today or tomorrow, uh, with, with a bunch of my old friends from, from the six and violence and Norm Bates and showers. And we did it. We did a quarantine video as a tribute to, uh, to, to the, the two main guys in Norm Bates and showerheads that, that passed away in the last couple of years, uh, Jim Starris and, and Jay Garino. Um, so it, like I said, the, the uniqueness of being able to pull off some cool things here and there is a lot different than 
you know, saying, hey, I'm going to go out and, and do Have some Have you heard shows. anybody say that? Like, hey, I'm ready to go. Like, like a state is doing well, like Florida or Texas. I don't know what other states are, are not as, you know, locked down. And they're, they're allowing, you know, well, I use Texas because I know Tony's going to be there. Are, are, do you have, do you sense that there's anybody like, man, let's just try like a little mini tour in an area just because we, we want to see like asking around like, Hey, are you willing to do it? There's, there's little, little like people talking a little bit here and there about it, but I gotta be honest, like the, the, the like you said, it's a big, it's a big wheel that, that needs to, needs to start turning it for yeah. any of that to happen. And uh, you know, a tour the, the reason for a tour or is that you're doing sh your show. You're tying it in with many other shows and amateurizing the costs related to doing that and paying everyone and the gear, et cetera, like that. So it's only functional. It's only economically functional if it's doing a lot of them. Like it's, that's right. why you do a tour and you're doing, say, five shows a week for you know, seven, eight weeks at a time, you know, like, and hitting each of these. Right, it's, it's the only way that it, it's cost effective. Right, exactly. So if, from a cost effective standpoint, I don't know what the, what, what the real ability to say pulling one off here and there is, is of, any, of any real benefit. And until it can really rely, like I said, like I said before, I, I totally believe in science. And, and what I, what I'm seeing, I, I have to, be, I have to believe that it's, it's not time yet to, it's not time yet to do that. Yeah. I, I, and the, the, yeah, the, the conversation is about like, what do you do when like you get these, um, these obstacles and how do you manage and how do you pivot? Uh, because, you know, for some, they may not have the the time, like all the the people who work on the road and all that. Have you spoke any of the people who were who their gigs? I mean, they weren't making you know tons of money on the road. They, like the, a lot of those gigs are for the love of it more than necessarily getting tons of money. Like, Absolutely. what what are they gonna do, or what have they been doing? How, what, have you seen any cool pivots? Any new inventive, creative ways that people have figured out how to you know make some money and and retain some sanity well retaining sanity and making money are definitely two different two different things making making money or surviving uh, in, in this industry alone was is has always been you know a, a battle it's been tough for, for basically across the board i mean there's there's a top echelon of people who you know can 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 survive those right. storms most of everybody that i know i mean it, it they like they work their asses off all year um, for the dry times in like say the, the 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 December January February there's no gigs kind of thing I liken it to I liken it to the guy who owns an ice cream shop in in Cape Cod right. you better sell a shitload of ice cream in the summer because you ain't selling any of it in the winter right. and it's the same thing for us so this now has created a situation where I've been I've been talking to a lot of people and uh, the all of the uh, unemployment uh, issues and uh, PPP loans, et cetera, like that. Everyone's trying to do what they can for, for, for mere survival. Well, that's a challenge um, as well because they were self-employed. So they, it's a whole different look there. It's a gig yeah. economy. It's not like your, you know, your company went out of business. It's the, the gig is no longer available. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, it's in the transition right now, because obviously uh, through March, April and May into May, 
there hasn't been but been the ability or much of doing anything. This this opening now or the, these phased openings where things are now opening is definitely giving people other opportunities to do to 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 do something because our industry is not going to start back up again for quite a while. So it you it you do have to pivot. You you completely have to uh, look for something else in the time in the time in the, in the, for the time being. I wonder if it's going to go a little bit back to smaller, I mean, well, definitely smaller venues, but regional. So where like, hey, you know, uh, band, you know, whatever, Kiss, we all, if they, if they all live together near, nearby, say, you know what, let's just do a tour. Let's just use the house gear. Let's just go out because we, we want to play. We want to keep some engagement. We want to do stuff. And I wonder if there's going to be some opportunities for small, intimate pop-ups in different environments that are local to some of the artists, you know, where they live. I think the best, I think the best, uh, uh like the test, drive-in that you shared. Well, the test case I can, uh, that I can think of that, that will, will determine that or, or we'll see probably would be, uh, Las Vegas scenario. Um, they, they admittedly there, they said we, we have to reopen. They, they like, they, they, they need to, they need to do it in, in, uh, in protocols and ways that, you know, they're going to skirt, they're going to skirt the, uh, I think the safety issues and cetera like that. But say if the casinos are opening up in limited ways, you could certainly have a test case of say like a band who normally would do a, 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 a Las Vegas sit, you know, a, it's a, a long-term, you know, showcase well, being, in that same he room. He started rehearsing again. So I haven't spoken, yeah. we spoke to him before things started, but um, he started the music, true music lessons. Oh, cool. Um, so he pivoted, you know, right away to keep going, but he said he's starting to rehearse. So something's happening. Yeah. I, like I said, like that might be the first real good test case of something like that. Not only in terms of a band being able to stay in one place with a rotating, rotating fans coming into a venue that is set up in a way that, you know, people, people need to be separate from each other, masks, et cetera, like that. Um, but you can you can certainly live there, band and crew, with a minimal amount of things, using set gear that's there that that you're not hiring crew to move it in and out and in and out and in and out. Right. That that to me is probably the best test case because even casinos casinos around the rest of the country and everything like that, those are uh, those are nomad you know kind of kind of situations. Um, you know bands go to those casinos and fan like casinos that are in the, in the Midwest and, and and sprinkled all around the South and everything like that. Uh, their destinations, people that live there will drive, you know, hundred, 200 miles to get to a show in the, in their region. So like you said, regionally, uh, I could see that it's just, it's now more the artists and their crew that have to become, you know, have to, have to nomad to these places. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see going to be crazy. So you're in Palm Springs. You're back in Palm Springs. Back in Palm Springs. And how, how's it all going there? Now you've been home for, for three months, uh, fam's all together. You're all rocking it out. Um, how, how has that been? Because it's probably the longest you've been together <laughs> in ever. Well, we, uh, my wife and I, uh, uh, my beautiful wife Michelle. We we met uh, work when I was uh, working for Devo. I was their tour manager, and she was there. She was their secretary, 
And so uh, we started dating literally while I was on the road and been on the road ever since. Uh, three years ago, I moved, we, I moved the whole family to Nashville where uh, I was uh, a general manager for a large production facility. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, so you did have some time where you were living. We, yeah. For the first time in our relationship, we, you know, first time, for the first time for me in, in 25 years, I slept in the same bed every single night. How was that? Was, it was, it was fantastic. I got, I, I got to I got to admit, you, you really get used to it. Um, but, uh, but, uh, circumstances changed and, uh, and I went back out on the road, uh, like after, after about almost two years, um, to, to now. So now being, being home, one being home here in Palm Springs, my wife and I love it here. Um, being here with her and, and the puppy dogs and seeing our kids uh, who are grown up now and, uh, you know, are they all living with you? Uh, no, they're they're both uh, uh, one state in Nashville. He's doing really well uh, uh, in Nashville, and one uh, moved to LA and is going to college, uh, going to college and and working. And so they're they're both doing really really well. But they both right. came they both came and, and visited during this during this time safely. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been interesting. Um, I'm. I'm, wor- I'm I'm trying to keep myself busy and not going stir crazy. So, like I said, I have uh, I had a couple of friends of mine who uh, who took pity on me and because uh, all of my music gear is is you know either destroyed or in Nashville. So I had a couple of friends who were like, "Listen, I'm not, I'm not using this mic. I'm not using this interface. I'm not using oh, a cable." Cool. And just sent me sent me enough crap. And I I, I actually still had my guitars here. So in in the last uh, month and a half, I've been trying to record and, and work on stuff like quarantine stuff with my friends. And uh, uh, pro- I'm producing a couple of things for, for some friends that just, that were like, Hey, could you just, you know, mix this for me or, you know, put this down on this. So um, trying, trying to stay, trying to stay mentally busy. And was Michelle working prior? Michelle was, uh, 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 she's a director at a, uh, at a preschool. Right. Yeah. Uh, I knew some school. So how, how's she been in like between the two of you now all of a sudden home and the comp, you know, those, you know, all the changes that you've been going, how, how have you navigated that? Uh, I'm sure sometimes she's, she'll uh, in the back of her mind saying, are you ever going on the, are you ever going back out on the road? But she, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's been, I, I totally admit, uh, I, I love my wife. I love spending time with her. So the, the mixed blessing of it is that, uh, you know, I have been, I've been home with the puppies and, 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 and the wife and you're puttering around and fixing stuff up around the house because we only just moved back uh, last August. So we we're, we were still in the process. We did. Is the work done? This is the house that we were talking about. Yep. Okay. Yeah, all done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, uh, I love our place. So yeah, I mean, that, that, there are things. There are things worse than having been sheltered in place for three months in a, in a place that you love, in in a in a beautiful part of the country and gorgeous and and everything. And like I said, playing playing with puppy dogs and it's it, it you know like it, it it's not bad. And so you guys like you talked about vegas have you left and like left your where you're at and gone like to vegas or la or anything just to get out i went into la uh, drove in la a couple of times uh to just do some just do some basic things and and uh, and to vibe it out and it it this was this was in the last like say month and a half and it it really felt like a ghost town it like mm-hmm. and i've i have friends back still back in new york cuz i was i was in new york just before this all hit i played uh, the garden uh, with with eros um just prior to this happening so i was in manhattan in new york saw friends of mine actually had a, had a jam uh, had a jam session with with a couple of friends of mine um so uh 
I've been looking at uh, my, my, I've been zooming with my friends back in New York and it's, it looks like a ghost town. Like, yeah. uh, you know, um, and they're, they're only going into, I think phase or about to go into phase one or phase two. That'll like the last, the last ones that are, that are opening up back up again. Yeah, I know my mom, uh, I guess she said they started whatever the phase is that they could eat outside. Um, so they're, I think she went and did that. And interestingly enough, and, and to your point, she expected, and I think the restaurants expected that it was going to be packed. And they weren't. Right. People are, are being hesitant. So they were praying, oh, you got to have parties of six or more and you've got to make reservations and all that. And they showed up and they're like, yeah, the kitchen's closing at eight because no one's coming. <clears throat> right. And, and what did I see? Uh, there was something yesterday or the day before where uh, – a group of 16 girls went out for like, they were, they, they went out for, for drinks. Uh, I, I don't even know where it was And 15 of them contracted the virus. Um, I, yeah, it, I, I don't, some of that stuff. I, I don't like, I take all, not that I don't believe it. I just, I take a lot of this stuff. I think everyone's on hyper alert and for good or for bad. And I, I think that, you know, the way, the way our brains work, we focus on what's wrong. We will find what's wrong. And then we're just going to keep finding more of it, um, which will then create an image of things that are more intense than they really are. And I'm not minimizing it. I just, you know, it, it, it I don't focus on that stuff. Cause then I would go nuts. I liken it more in two ways. Um, if, if the stove is on and you've touched a hot stove before you're, you're not going to touch a hot stove again. And I think, that that's a cautious nature of of experience. Mm-hmm. On the on the flip side of that is just that in terms of uh, in terms of in terms of being a cautious a cautious person who it, if a nuclear bomb went off or or a nuclear accident happened and there's radiation everywhere but you can't see it and you don't have a little like clicker that's telling you the radiation's there. If someone, if like just a, a general knowledge of like, wow, there's radiation. I, I need to, uh, I, I need to be aware of it, but I can't see it. I can't, I, I don't know where it is. You, you hopefully think that people would be, be cautious, you know, uh, of it. And, and that's how I, I, how I'm looking at this. I, I, I fear that people, I fear that people are, are being just way too loosey goosey uh, uh, about it. I, I'd rather, I'd rather be cautiously nervous and afraid of what it potentially could be because, there's a degree there's 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 a there's a degree of safety in the fact that you're you know you, that you're being cautious if you're if you're not if you're not being cautious yes uh, you know maybe maybe you get it maybe you don't more like more like you're more likely to get it if you if you're not being cautious than than if than if you're being cautious right and and then what it boils down to you know and it's a whole you know tangled web because the argument then becomes like you know well if you don't care whether or not you get it that's between you know that's your problem but if you bring it somewhere else and then you know now you you're endangering other people that becomes the the argument and i see you know i see all the sides um the the balance is is a, you know, like, so as an example, <clears throat> I had this conversation the other day. I don't know. I, I, I have a few friends um, who have had it um, and help fine. No, no issues. Uh, I don't know anybody personally who's died. I know one person who knows someone like know someone who died, who was like 90 um, from it. Uh, my mom's husband is in a nursing home in New York and some people on the floor 
claim, but again, we don't, I don't have any real hard data on that. But here's what I have had literally in my world experience. I've had uh, multiple overdoses and deaths. I've had suicides in my world, people who, you know, have given up and, and couldn't handle all of this. And obviously we see people who have lost their, you know, entire everything, economy, you know, like their jobs, their businesses, their everything. Savings and everything, yeah. Yeah. So uh, while I am in total agreement of being smart and, and all of that, the one thing that Heidi and I, as soon as this happened, we started seeing what was happening and going, okay, all right, we got all that. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, has anyone helped and thought about what mental health issues, the people who are dealing with addiction, they're not allowed to go to meetings, they're not allowed, to, it's a perfect storm for someone. The people who are working from home who already have some potential challenges around alcohol or drugs, now they're working from home. I could start drinking, I could start day drinking and no one would know. Well, um, you know you're, talking about you're talking about residual effects. Right. And very, very little, if any, attention was paid and still being looked at. And it's, it's, it's very disturbing because, you know, anecdotal or not, um, the, the, the reality is, is that people are not dealing with this well and they're not being equipped with tools um, and there is there access, you know, Heidi and I, that's what we, the field that we've worked in and personal development and all of that. And I'm not minimizing the reality of, of COVID and, and the, the possible, you know, spread challenges and all of that. It's that balance, right? Sure. So, you know, if I, if I never leave my house and then I end up, you know, drinking myself to death, but nah, you know, I, I, at least I wasn't being selfish for going out and wanting to live my life is... Right that's where the challenge comes and it's no it's not, it's such a complex conversation and there's no easy answer no and the the old the old adage may you live in interesting times fuck that <laughs> um it's totally true that cyclically uh we as we as as the culture we as a society we as we as as a, as a race um we go through we go through trying trying times we go through trying things this is this is an extreme extreme hardship that like you said residually has so many so many uh, uh parts to it that i completely agree with you that that are being unfortunately uh disregarded and ignored uh to 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 everybody's detriment well and i think it part yeah and and so this is the 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 virus that I do my best to also defend myself from is getting sucked into the drama of the discussion around the, you know, the news and, and the, you know, the perception of it for, and again, maybe to my fault, you know, maybe if I, you know, better, maybe, better than, better than sticking your head in the sand though. I mean, like, uh, you know, like so, someone, someone who would stick their head in the sand and, and just like say, Oh, this is all going on, but I, I, I can't deal with it. Boom. I'm, I'm going to ignore it. It's still it's still going on. It's still happening. So I, I totally understand what you're saying about it. I, I think the 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 greatest cleanser is light. The great like the great like like show like you need to show this. You need to see it. You need like, I, not even a year. What was it? A year ago, we were talking about little children being held in basically camps, concentration camps on the border, uh, immigrant children separated from their families, etc. Like that. 
that's still happening in this scenario with the shit going down. And their services were horribly maintained and given back then. It is not even a blip on the radar of anyone even paying attention. That shit is still going on in this current situation. So our gaze, our, uh, our gaze is, is, is never quite always fixed on one singular thing. You know, we're, we're distracted all the time or this and like that. What I, what I always, what always bothers me is that there are all these other things going on that don't get paid attention to. Um, the, the news, I, I'm a news junkie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a newsaholic. Um, I've been ever since literally I flew home. You need to see someone mixing, about this. Well, probably I, I was, I was on tour with, with Sheik, uh, with, with Nile Rogers and we were doing a bunch of shows and we flew back home to New York on, uh, September 10th. Oh. Right. And I, I just got home. I was, uh, at my, I was at my girlfriend's apartment, actually. She went to work and I was sitting there making a cup of coffee, looking out her window in, 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 in Queens. And I, I saw, I could, I could see the, I could see the towers and I was like, there's smoke coming from one of the towers. And it turned me instantly into an absolute news addict because I never wanted to not know what was going on. So this is an admitted news addict speaking. Um, I, uh, You're not even I'm, in recovery. Not even in recovery. But I diversify what I'm, what I'm watching to try to get as many perspectives and gazes as I wow, possibly okay, can. That's good. And yeah, and it's very disappointing. Like there's so much stuff going on in the world that we're not hearing about, that we're not knowledgeable about, et cetera. So, um, well, it can also full, say full circle. Full circle of what we were what we were saying is that I I I can understand where people could be could look at the coverage of it and go, oh, I, you know, like they're covering it all the time, and you know, they're 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 gaslighting it, and they're and they're or they're talking this and that. You got you got to pay attention. <laughs> you got to got to. Right, and look, I'm I'm not at all suggesting head and sand. I'm just looking at because um, two things. So the news with all the metrics and the way they could follow and all of that um, is the same as an algorithm on Facebook, on your phone, which is the same as the way our brain works, right? It's a reticular activator system. Seek and ye shall find. Ask and ye shall receive. receive. So when the news notices that people tune in to breaking alert, all this, and that's when people are tuned because they can see what's, tra- what, you know, I mean, like all the data that they're getting is what's being watched, how long, you don't have the Nielsen boxes anymore because it's all digital. They know what's being, what's being viewed. True. So let me backtrack a little bit to some, some context. Uh, when I was working with Tony Robbins um, about 10, uh, 12 years ago, Tony created a show called Breakthrough. He recorded six episodes where he went into, it was an hour long episode. He went into a situation, a family situation where it was dire. Like, you know, one guy, he broke, he became a quadriplegic. He, on his wedding night, he dove into a pool, broke his neck and became a quadriplegic the night of his wedding. And, you know, basically was losing it and had no will to live. And his wife is having to, you know, handle like he's got nothing. He's just like a, you know, like a losing it. He, another show is with a, a father. He was a veteran, had PTSD, was struggling. It was like but six episodes. They aired, they, they, they big hoopla, here we're going to air this show. Guess how many aired? I have no idea. Two. Okay. Because it wasn't 
nobody wanted to watch, nobody wanted to watch. Nobody wanted someone to. improving their lives. It didn't get the, that didn't get enough viewership. So yeah. when we're, when we look at that and, and same thing with uh, Facebook, when, when you're on Facebook and it doesn't matter, like on some level, like I'm not even going to get into any bias conversation. If you're engaging in commenting on whatever, it doesn't matter. Person X. Oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Screw this guy. Arg, 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 arg. And the other people are like, yeah, yeah. F that guy. Arg, 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 arg. Screw them. Screw them. Arg, arg, arg. Facebook algorithm goes, oh, you seeking you shall find. You want to have that. You engage in that. We want you on there. However, if you're on like, oh, look at peace, love and happiness and all of this, you get more of that in your newsfeed. You're not going to get as much as the other. So it, when it, you focus on it, you get more of it. It is. We, we are all a commodity and, and we are all just a, a just a, a cl we are a click and a, and a, and a, we're an, we're an advertising budget in, in, in every possible way. You're, you're, you're completely, totally right about that. Um, and, and the news, the news, in my opinion, has, has been become way too repetitive. It's become right, way they too- got 24 hours to fill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> repetitive, uh, um, opinion, uh, opinionated, et cetera. Um, the, 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 tribal, the tribal camps are, are so completely divided and everything like that, um, which, like I said, is w one reason why I try to diversify what I watch, I, 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 the what what background I did have when I went to college, uh, I got a degree in communications, and my ma my my major in communications was literally of of media and how it's presented, like the 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 gaze, G A Z E, the 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 view, what you're not what you're watching, how you're watching it, what mm -hmm. not not what not what's what's being shown, how is it being shown? So I I completely completely agree with you on 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 all of that. Um, where that where that ties back into the music industry, where that ties back into say artists, et cetera, like that. Uh, Devo nailed this very very well in terms of they are a commodity. They they are they they may be selling themselves, you know, literally uh, selling their music for a toilet bowl commercial or everything like that. These revenues, these streams, um, and the satisfaction of their fans has been no, so diversified now with so many other things that everybody has, I think kind of like just a strain to grab a foothold of a market share or, or, yeah. or, you know what they are. So to, to draw a parallel of that, say live shows or, or live events or conventions or, you know, all of these things, um, this industry and or these tangent related industries are having to definitely go through a major paradigm shift of what they're going to present as a package or as a deal or or how how to do these things and how they're going to cut through the noise to even let people know that it's an opportunity exactly exactly and so so there's you know for for a, for for bright entrepreneurial people uh you know this they're they're probably they're probably rubbing their hands going oh great like like all these new opportunities fantastic it's this is going to be this is going to be a paradigm shift in in every possible way of how to do shows of how to do tours of how to generate income of how to get yourself paid of how to of how to get your your people paid it this is this is going to be a this is going to be a big shift because even even once they once they get a vaccine and and can work their way through that might be a year two year time frame 
where like you did, like we were saying, people have fallen off the the bandwagon. They've they've gone to other things. They've you know found other found other pastors. Yeah, um, restaurants. Can you restaurants that? Are, People, uh, you know, it's okay, we're ready to put the, you know, we're ready to go back out on the road and they, they reach out to you and all these other people like, oh, no, dude, I, I, I'm out of this game. I can't, <laughs> you know, I, I started this other business. I'm doing this other thing. And then yeah. they're like, well, who are we going to hire? I'm like, well, I don't know. We didn't teach anybody what we do because. Uh, well, we, that's we, good. But that's actually a good thing you're saying that. that there are, I do a lot of mentoring to, to like young tour managers and production managers. Good. I have friends of mine who have a fantastic uh, uh, webinar that they're doing uh, tourmanagement.org uh, where it, twice a week uh, they're doing live like 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 just like this on YouTube etc uh, of different topics I've I've done I've done a webinar uh, with them um, uh, like I said it's there are things that are being done to kind of you know help the next generation coming through uh, to, to do it because that's the other thing how how long can and should you be on the road 10 months out of the year you know just just gone how how long can you survive i i've been doing this for so long i've lost so many of my friends and people that i've worked with and everything like that that they've they you know like they physically couldn't take it anymore like it's it's a it's a hard ass job you know it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a dream well, so, I'm sure um, that, like, to, to that point, I'm sure that the tours will very likely be shorter, that uh, people are going to, at least they, they've come to appreciate their families more. They've come to appreciate their time, you know, to kind of relax and not be, you know, going 24-7, 365 for 30 years in a row. But um, you, know what, you, know what would, you know what would have to also happen to make that happen? the business side of this industry has to look at its assets and those are assets mm-hmm. have to look at their assets in a different way so that the gig economy is not so uh, mercenary and, and to, to, to make a living you, you, you know, there's no representation there. There's no organization. There's no union. There's no healthcare. There's no, there's like, there's nothing, there's nothing there other than just what you make of it. And so when something happens like this has happened, it exposes the fact that this industry, that, that this industry and, and a lot of other industries are, were, are their house of cards. They're, they're, they're not built with any kind of structure. Well, and if, if there was a reorganization or there, there was like a, a, rea- a realization of, 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 of a future way that this can now come about, I would love and hope that there would be a realization of saying, okay, we have to take care of the people who help us get these shows done for, you know, a, a symbiotic relationship between how the, how the industry works. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and it, it, it is so complex because really what you're, you're dealing with is a, a series of entrepreneurs um, but I think the challenge becomes entrepreneurship, you know, the entrepreneur mindset is very different than someone who's kind of doing a job. Like, so as an example, you are so versed, you have like, you're an entrepreneur in, well, you are. And with all of the ways and the things that you offer to the industry, you have that level of flexibility to figure it out and, and all of that someone who is just happy and, and looks at like whatever their gig is, whether they love being a roadie or, uh, you know, doing, you know, uh, 
has, I, I don't know, like uh, all the different gigs, you know, a lot more. I think some of them, they're probably just, it's kind of the same gig, like being a guitar tech. Like it's kind of like different guitars, different, but it's, it's the same gig. And, and once you get into it, like, okay, cool. And you're not thinking like an entrepreneur, like, okay, cool. I need to market. I mean, you creative. How can I find a new way to tune this guitar? And, and how can, like, there, there's a whole other mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and neither is good. I'm not, you know, making any good or bad. It's just, it's knowing the patterns and all of that. I'm referring more to say that that guitar tech and doing what he's doing, like you said earlier, should have mental health care available to him because it is so necessary. Not in dispute, not in dispute. And I don't know, but my point is, is that because the way the whole organization is set up, it's set up like a bunch of entrepreneurs. It's not set up like a which which goes full circle to like what I said a, a, a shift or a, or a re reimagining of uh, to me hopefully to me I would so hope that that this whole thing could be a reimagining of of even just society of, of people of anything you know like there there are there are things that happen that make a tectonic plate shift uh, in things. You know, and there's also there are also things that are that are that are a tinder bo- that are literally the match that that's that that strikes a, a massive fire. You know, uh, ask any kid right now, ask any kid today, who's Archduke Ferdinand, and they would answer you with yes, who is Archduke Ferdinand? <laughs> like Archduke Ferdinand was a, a ruler <laughs> back in 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 Europe that his assassination, just him getting killed, sparked. World War One. I. I mean, and there were tons of other factors of why it started, but that was the spark that changed tectonic, uh, tectonically, like everything. This whole thing going on, like uh, the things that are going on, these hopefully maybe are are reason for reasonable people, a time to re-examine and and change how things are going. Because if they're if they're built on a house, if they are built on a house of cards, if they are, if it's just a sand, if it's just a you know sandcastle. Um, I there's so much there's so much better in, that that it could be done or should be done, and this is the, this is the exposure of that. Like this I, is the cur- the curtain's been the curtain's been revealed. I, I get and and the it is such a complex conversation because people are complex, and I I think where where we often run into these conversations where the, where the, the challenge becomes is everybody wants what's best. Like I, I believe, you know, like, and not on, I'm not picking sides. Like I, I always use the example of, of guns, right? I'm, I'm a gun owner. I've owned guns my entire life. I've been around them. I've grown up, I've trained in them. Like I have a huge respect and, and honor for the, the power that that has. And I, I don't treat it lightly. Right. So it's just good. Whether people, you know, like agree with guns and is a separate conversation, you know, like, I don't even know what your feelings are, but you know, me as a person, you probably didn't know that I've in New York, I was a gun owner. I've had a licensed license, like a handgun owner. Mm-hmm. I'm not a member of the NRA. I'm not, you know, like all that. So let's take that out. But like when people are like, you know, the NRA or people who are for guns, here's my belief. They are not, we are not gun owners sitting there going, oh, you know, it'd be great. Let's see how many people we can kill with these guns. 
let's make them available so kids can kill each other. Like, it's, that's not what we're thinking. And I like to think that people who are anti-gun, because why do why, a gun owner goes, I want it because I believe in my right to be able to protect myself and my family. God forbid I needed to, period. Right. And I don't run around. I'm going to carry it. I'm not carrying it out and stuff. It's in the house and it's locked and it's safe. I don't believe that. I don't believe that people who are anti-gun are going, you know, it would be great. Let's make sure that no one can arm themselves and only criminals who get the guns can kill them and they are helpless. Or, you know, like no one's thinking that either. We both want safety. We both want the ability to live life to prosper, to be able to provide, to all of that. Now, we may differ on how we do that. But as soon as we start demonizing the person who has a differing process and not agree on the purpose, that's when we have a huge problem. The challenge that we're having right now and where I think, and this is where we get back to the media conversation and started going on this rabbit hole, is I believe that the, the media, the people who are controlling the media, we have to be very careful about like, what they want because what they want is not in a line with what I think is best for the average person. I think that they're benefiting from the, you know, the, the being sucked upon, you know, sucking the, the brain waves out of everybody and are able to create uh, an environment that prevents us from having a real conversation. As guns as an example, if you watch the news, you can get all bent out of shape based on all what we're being told instead of just having a real conversation with someone and go, oh, oh, okay, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. And I think I agree with you. I just I wish there's going to be I, I hope and I wish for a, a, a healthy space that, that those types of conversations can be had, because the reason why the very people who have made it so difficult for the tech and that, that whole gig economy are the structure through which the big companies who are in control and making benefiting from it anyway. Yeah. I mean, in in. In terms of our, our in, uh, in terms of this industry, um, and say like the live live music industry, um, for years, the smaller independent mom and pop promoters, local promoters, uh, from all around the country, um, they slowly, slowly, slowly started to get swept up by the larger corporate uh, uh, entities that promote shows, mm-hmm. and that that kind of thing took, you know, took hold. And so many of like the smaller ones, you know, went by the wayside, um, large corporate entities then bought the venues that they were promoting the shows in. They own the uh, concessions that go on to these things. Oh, there's a rev parkings, a revenue, you know, so. And then they were able to say, Oh, you know what? we don't have employees anymore. We have independent contractors. Right. And then so there goes. Have to, right. Yep. Right. So as I, as I was saying before, I would love to think of the, a way that there could be a massive paradigm shift in how it's, how it's done. You're right. Through like, through a, a corporate, through, through, through the, through the big corporate wheel. Um, but that big corporate wheel is, is sucking air right now. And and need, needing to think of something potentially different or different different way, 
uh, as well. And you're right, the discourse, hopefully the discourse that goes on um, is something that hopefully, hopefully the conversations can actually happen. Right. And, and the, hopefully the, the best thing that can happen is that people get tired of being sucked into the drama of the extremities and they, you know, it's, it's like, what was that? Uh, was it the Simpsons or family guy episode when uh, they no longer had TV for a while and they had to start reading or, you know, right. so, you know, something where, where people have the opportunity to um, actually be on par and, and in, not make it an ideology, but make it uh, a person to person. Like, okay, wait, you're a person. You're not like, it's not an identity. It's a human. Right. And, you know, meanwhile, don't be near each other. <laughs> meanwhile, right. well, that, yeah, exactly. Don't, that's don't touch each other. Don't, like handshakes will never happen ever again. You can a hug, a hug will never happen. Like, so. I, so <laughs> have you had this? Have you, you've been out, right? So like, that's that awkward moment. You go see somebody and you're like, uh, hand, elbow, fist bump, hug. Like, it's just that awkward I moment. I think elbows are as, as, uh, as uh, sexy as, as you're going to make it for a while. That's yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, well, so, and that's like with Tony, it's going to be interesting with Tony's event. Um, not only are you obviously sitting next to each other, but I don't know if you, you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event or any of my events. We're massaging each other and well, like, no, you know, a, like lot of, a lot of hugs, lot high of fives. Physical, a lot of physical interaction, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know... And, and here, here's the other thing, which is so challenging and sad, and, and you're, you don't have this issue as much because your kids are older. Um, Ellie's five, and they did fortunately uh, open up the uh, camps here. So she's going to gymnastics camp. Oh, wow. But after the, the first, you know, first couple of days, she's like, I hate it. I'm like, why? And she's like, we, we can't be near each other. We can't, I can't talk to anybody. Like, I, I'm like, why am I here? Like, I'm just like, we're, yeah, we're doing the exercises and whatever, but we're, we're so far apart. I can't talk to talk to my friends. Yep. So my, my wife, my wife runs a, a preschool. She's a director of a preschool. Uh, I've you know, she's been telling me all the time how much of a, of a challenge, uh, you know, it, it, it is, in, in every possible way. Um, that, that's the, that's the look you're looking at for right now. Like that's, you know, that, that's how it's going to, that's how it's going to be for now. Well, and then, so then I go back to the, the thoughts and the trauma, you know, like talking about the collateral damage and the residual, you know, um, potential challenges. What impact is that going to have on the way a, a a child starts forming its meanings about life, about people, about oh, processing communication, about doing business, um, about living in fear, about everything is, you know, like you, you just, and by the way, the confusion, right? Because it's the other thing is that right now, just what's going on, it's so divisive it's just confusing to even know what the heck is going on because both sides are so of any argument are so bought into it. There is no middle ground because if you lean anyway from either extreme, you then get accused by the other side of being and, and like poor kids growing up, they, they're, they're probably not even knowing how to have a conversation without yelling and screaming at somebody. <laughs> 
Yeah. May, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we solved the problems of the world we, on this call and the music industry is going to be a better place for it. Uh, now we got to figure out baseball. <laughs> like how the hell we <laughs> Well, uh, is it, has any sports started back up? I know they're talking about it, which in Europe, in Europe, they've started up a couple of the, um, uh, soccer leagues without any fans, uh, in Korea, they've for, for over a month now started up the Korean, uh, baseball with, with no fans. Um, so, you know, that, that's a, that's an entirely, that's an entire, that's a parallel, uh, thing to obviously the music industry because it's, because it's the, it's still entertainment. Um, but uh, that's that that's going to be very interesting to see. They they're mentioning now about the NFL and about how they're actually going to do it. Uh, baseball just had. There's been another proposal. There was a meeting actually this morning uh, by the commission from the commissioner and the uh, the head of the players association uh, to try to commit to each other um, at least a, a partial a partial season um, completely. Like so, we're talking about a paradigm shift. Um, completely changing how the divisions are set, which teams would be playing, which teams in a division, the rules uh, are, are needed to be modified and changed to, to, to do this. And that's a sport where the monetization of the fan of uh, the stands and commission and concessions, something like that. You know, these, these are multiple, multiple. It's, uh, again, not it's so complex, right? So I mean, complex. think about it. What, what if you just got before this happened, what if you just got like a $20 million deal for five years or 10 years based on the metrics, the projected metrics, and then they go, ah, oh, but now we're not making, we're making 80% less. We're going to take, we're, we're not paying you that other 8 million. His name is Garrett Cole, and he pitches for the New York Yankees now. Or he's supposed to be pitching for the New York Yankees, and hasn't thrown a single hasn't thrown a single pitch. And he had just he had just signed a, a, a massive, massive, massive deal. And the economics from the owner side and the and the players' association side, everything like that. Um, these are these are all things. So in a, in a direct parallel to to the entertainment business, the, the live, live music industry, et cetera, like that. This is a, this is a complex, uh, this is going to be a complex uh, uh, fix. Well, I, and I, I agree with you. And, and again, the reason why I'm doing this uh, show, whatever you want to call this educational, uh, hopefully edutainment is to offer a space that we can at least start unpacking some of it, not solve anything, but see other perspectives and, and like understand that a everyone has been through something like this, not to this degree, but we've all had upturns. I mean, we dealt with the I dealt more cause I wasn't on the road, but I had to reinvent myself. The music industry changed forever. Real mm-hmm. estate in 08 changed forever. Right. There, there's so, so many different things, you know, are, are always going to be in flux. And the question is, how did we navigate through it? And, and the, what I've noticed with consistency is that people didn't lose their minds when it happened. They, for a moment, got maybe a little, oh, crap. Okay. And then, all right, what am I going to do? What, what can I do now to shift? What can I do now to have, so to, to be, to have a purpose, to have a vision about where we're going? Well, I, that goes back, that goes back to diversity. And so like my, my whole career has literally been ping pong, ping ponging from say one thing to another, not with any specific 
you know, angle or specific uh, uh, direction of it. But as I said before, uh, being able to being able to modify, being able to deal with situations and scenarios, and you know, as a tour manager or a production manager, you're constantly being thrown a curveball or Beautiful. you know this and that. It's it's juggling. A, you're juggling a golf ball, a chainsaw, a glass of water, and a feather all at the same time. You know, perfect analogy. And and imagine if you had a belief system in yourself that you were like. I can't be, I, I can't do um, whatever, you know, the, like uh, tour manager. I can't do production. No, those guys suck. Those guys, I'm, I'm not going to, I can't do that. Or I won't do, um, you know, teching on guitar. I'm, you know, I would never do that because I, I'm, as a tour manager, I can't be, you know, I can't pick up the guitar and do that, that, you know. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about is that mind shift of expanding diversified thinking. Yes. To see other perspectives to yes. not demonize and make someone bad because they, you know, or demonize uh, the, the player who makes a couple million bucks. Like at the time they deserved it based on the, the, the income, the revenue that was coming in, you go, okay, boom, you yeah. know, hopefully the, all those players who are making that money are going to be able to go, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess maybe I understand why I'm not going to get that next payment because you don't have any money. Exactly. And the same thing with it, who's hopefully people will start seeing shows again. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's the love of, there's the love of live music. There's the love of, of, of CD band. It, the, the, it's the logistics now. It, everything's everything. Everything in my world has always been the logistics of it. So, and you can talk about, the reality, you could talk about a reality, you could talk about a dream, you could talk about, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, all of these things, there's a logistic to all of it that needs mm -hmm. to that needs to happen. And the same, re the same reason why as you're loading into a venue, you're already loading out in your mind. Yep. Is because you're, you're in real time doing it. But you're doing it in terms of the fact that you already planned what that day was going to be, meaning you advanced, you advanced it to know what the scenario would be. And you're reasonable and pragmatic enough at the, at the time, in the moment, to handle and deal with the, ele <laughs> dealing with following the elephant. Right. Um, and that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a more necessity and, and skill set uh, in, in terms of what I, how I think of things than necessarily the actual skill of, right. of, uh, of doing something. Well, yeah, it's mindset is everything. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. And it, and it, and it goes along with the same insecurities and, and things and things. But if, if confidence in what you can do, confidence in, in what you, what you've done before, and I will do this again in, in whatever scenario and confidence in, I'm going to try, I'm going to try something else. Uh, this this is not working. I'm going to try something. Well, else. and it's confidence in other people, confidence in your team. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's, it's rely be reliance and confidence in in the team that you've put around you, and like you said, not being over hyperly critical of them or or dismissive of them or like that. You're the pitcher has to throw to the catcher. Like yeah. the quarterback has to the quarterback. It, if quarterback's gonna 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 succeed, he is going to either throw or he's going to run it himself or he's going to hand it off. 
team teamwork. Yeah. Team. Well, and the ball boy is as important as the batter. Damn right. And sometimes, you know, we also get a little confused with all all of that um, because there are all these beliefs about you know what that means, like you know, and it's like, dude, if without the without the ball boy, without the like, I wouldn't get my bat. Or in tennis, the kid, you know, the kids running and grabbing the balls. I trip, I'd fall. I'd like everyone is as important as everyone else, and I right. think that's where um, you know the the healing occurs. And when you were talking about kind of reforming the business is, is having that attitude of like, okay, we're going to reimagine it and we're going to place value on, you know, the, everyone whose role is in it. Now that doesn't mean everyone gets paid the same because there's different risks, there's different rewards, there's different, this isn't equity of outcome. It's equity of like humanity. Like, okay, you are, you're an integral part of this business period. Right. And that's, that's where I think the, hopefully this will all go is that people will see that. And then the, I guess, however it gets structured financially is really what it all boils down to. Cause ultimately that's what, that's what creates the momentum is who's got the money and who controls the purse strings. And the, and the reality of, of maybe a completely new idea of how, completely different idea of how money works a completely different different idea of of how no, much you, value there is you, to two things um you know the cost of cost of living or cost of existing a cost of being um the cost of doing business is a to- is a total parallel to what that income what the income base can be so if 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 people are not going to be able to generate as much income, personal income, everything else is going to suffer. Everything else is going to, in domino effect, going, going to suffer. So if, if, the, if the industry itself and all those components, like we were just talking about, if, if they have an economic value across the industry, any relief that that can be given to them in helping their economics in the end is going to help all of the economics and tickets, ticket prices for shows, right? Yeah. I remember there used to be like 15 bucks, $17, $25 right now. It's like 350 bucks. Right. That's a perfect, perfect example. Is that what it's going to go back to? Is that what it's going to go back to? because of necessity of, of, of being able to pull off and all these other, all these say now live venues and live events and everything like that, there is so much more added uh, uh, economics to it because safety, because of health, because of every other tangent that now has to be included into that ticket price because the venue Whereas they would have hot dog salesmen and they had cleaning crew, you know, that cleaned up after the show and everything like that. They're, they're med staffs that now probably will have to be maintained. Like venue, venues might have to open two hours, three hours earlier than they used to for a show to accommodate having to, you know, get it, get people in and how they function and operate. All those, all those extraneous costs or all those related costs are now going to be put into that ticket price. They're going to be put into there. Is the loss or the differential in that going to come off 
the corporate corporates, you know, back, or is it going to, or is it going to be, is going to be put on to, you know, is it going to be put on to other people's, other people's burdens? It's going to be other people, but it always is. Right. Right. That's, that's so, what it so, is. You know, so um, what the answer to that is, it's a very complex, you know, weave of thing. And, and, you know, my fear is out of overreaction, the way maybe like not being as pragmatic as we could have been and having an exit plan and all that, like you shared earlier, like, oh, yeah, we, you know, I, I already know as soon as I walk in, I already have my plan on when I'm leaving and what's next. Like, I, we didn't do that now. Like, when we're under stress, we don't do that. Like, you, the reason why you plan ahead is so that when you're under stress, you already have your plan. Um, that's, that's tour managing and production managing right there. Right. So, <laughs> what my, my fear when we go down some conversations like that is, is um, and concern is that they, they need to be done in a non-reactive way. And that we don't try and blow something up without really testing kind of the, the outcome because there are so many collateral relationships that we don't take into consideration or we are hoping that it'll just work itself out. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know, like I know restaurants, there's some restaurants that were adding like a 17%, 25% COVID tax. Like... <sighs> You kind of go, you know, as a consumer, if I want to go, I know costs going in. I'm like, all right, I guess I got to pay because I, you know, I'm tired of eating at home and I'm willing to pay the 17% because they're going, hey, you know, uh, we're still paying rent on this building and we've been out of business and we're being told we can't operate at more than 25%. So what are we going to do? Because the banks, they didn't give us a, a cutback. The taxes, yeah, we got a, you know, we may have gotten a little bit of a, a, a bonus check or whatever, but that only covered the first month of what happened. So like, I, what do we do? And then we go, oh, you know what? Let's just, yeah, that UN thing, the global reset. That sounds like a good idea. Like, whoa, hold on a minute. That's, you know, now you're, you're just basically saying the bureaucracy we have sucks. Let's go into a different one. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right answer either. So like- The, the, right, an the right answer is- Preparation, preparation is always is always the key, but the, you know we're already in the boat. We're already in the middle of the ocean. Like, like no, I, I know we got to build the plane while we're flying it. I, I'm right, exactly. So, so that that to me is where uh, again one one thing that you were saying, which I totally agree with. Um, rational people looking at rational solutions, co-opted co solutions, like. Uh, symbiotic symbiotic situations that help all and help and know, and also it needs to, i think we need to look at who we are as people and the humanity of it um and what our strengths and weaknesses are i think the the biggest problem with technology and all of that is some these illusions of what things are and aren't you know everybody's got the perfect selfie post and everybody's pretending that everything is a certain way instead of going nah you know i'm i i get a i'm, I'm okay that i'm you know maybe, you know, 20 pounds overweight, but you never know because of the way I take my picture. Maybe I'm okay with not being, you know, the, the, like the, having all the, like people demonize rich people at times, right? It's okay. Not everybody's going to do that. There's certain risks that people take in order to have the experiences. I mean, you worked really, really hard and, worked on yourself, worked on your business to get to where you are. 
do you deserve more for what you contributed than someone who didn't do nearly the effort and put in the time, the energy, or add as much value as you did? Do, they, do, do you deserve more? I, I, uh, I tend, and it is my, my personal beliefs, that, yeah, you're, you're, you're rewarded for, uh, for what you do it's a, uh, and, pro- and should be proper, proper reward. Uh, I'm also a firm believer in, I, I'm a firm believer in help, in, in helping somebody. Sp- oh, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not suggesting not to help people. I'm suggesting that, that you do better helping people than you giving the money to someone else to help somebody because then they want their piece and then their piece and their piece, right? So if you can help someone directly and you are the responsible steward and you are a servant leader, you are naturally going to, you shared it yourself. You mentor people, you help people. That's what you believe in. With money that you have, whatever you tithe, whatever you give, you do as part of who you are, right? So you, you're a responsible steward. Um, and I guess, cause like I, I've seen people who have like leveraged everything. They've you know, like taken out, you know, they, they, they've taken their 401k and they started a business and they hired a bunch of people and they did all that. And then people are like, fuck you and all your money. And like, um, hold on. I, do you know how many jobs I provide? I, I pay the insurance. I do all that. Like, yeah, I, I should be able to buy a boat if I have the extra income because I'm adding so much value to the community and to the industry. Like where, where do we draw the line? Cause that's like saying to the artists, Oh, you don't deserve $400 for a ticket. Fuck you. And uh, you know, all you did was write a song. Uh, I mean, you're talking, you're talking about shaming. You're talking about right. you know, like, yeah, exactly. Which, um, which I think is the worst thing that happened in, in the, in our society is demonizing success that making someone who has earned more money than someone else and go, well, you know, you, you must have, and this is what has killed the economy, I believe, in many ways, is because we've been some conditioned to thinking that people who are successful did something wrong or nefarious to do it. Now, are there companies that take advantage of people? Absolutely. Do we need to have corporate reform, tort reform? Absolutely. I, I think that we should have term limits on everybody in government. There should be no career politicians right? Because then they'd be preparing, they'd be preparing, their exit strategy would start the day they got into office, realizing that when they leave, they're going to have to follow the rules that they set in place. I like it. That would be more, more <laughs> beneficial. But same thing with, I think, you know, like as an intern, you know, what we did at Cove, what were things being an intern, what do we do? We did everything. Yeah. Which prepared us and understood how things were done instead of just doing one thing and, you know, I, I, I agree in, in diversification of thought, diversification of effort, diversification of conversation of, of people and, and appreciating people for where they're at and also appreciating ourselves, like of who we are and where we're at. Right. I can't I compare myself to Tony Robbins. Why not? Well, I can, but he's, he's like six, six, eight. No, I just mean like as as well as an example, like when I look at mentorship and you know, when I went on the road with Tony, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna model Tony Robbins. Well, Tony was already thirty years in the industry. He was in a very different place than when I started with him. Right. So what he was doing, how he was working, the things he was doing, you know, like you would if you were going on a um a tour, what, the way you run a big tour for the Eros guy is very different than you ran the tour for fat. Or the Jays? Um, in only in, uh, not 
in scale. In scale and scale only. Uh, (laughs) No, but scale and scale is important. Character. Character. Is 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 I think what you what you what absolutely you, oh, no, how you really base it on? I, I just mean if someone were to look at the strategies of oh I just call you know so and so and like yeah but so and so and that is like that we just need a, a U-Haul, <laughs> not well, a tour bus. Yeah, there even even the scale of things you'd be you'd be surprised how. Uh, it, it still comes down to say proper budgeting and sticking, sticking to, you know, sticking to that, you know, even the biggest, biggest acts in the world that have every access to everything they, they possibly can. You'd be amazed how many times they, they'd be like, do we really need this? Cause this is just extra money coming out of my pocket. Right. Like, of like I, we don't, we don't need this. And the, the difference between say a small band and a van who don't have the money. So they're, you know, Hey, hey guys, cup of soup for cup of soup for breakfast, lunch, and dinner today as well. Um, you know, there's there's a necessity of there's a necessity of it, and there's also like the like the the firm sticking to a budget, right? Oh, of course. Well, that 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 all stays the same. I just meant like with the scale and the 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 hats that you wear when when you're on, you know, the when it's just you in in the uh, yeah in the tour bus and you're mm-hmm. doing everything different mindset than when you go, Oh wait, I got to delegate. I've got a, right. I'm, I'm going to, I don't, I don't need to do that. That's why I, we hired this person so that I could do these other things. That's what I, oh, I, I had to learn. I had to learn how to delegate. Uh, I'll bet. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it, after, once I got to the point where I would, I would have say production assistants or, or uh, you know, uh, a separate tour accountant or, you know, things like that. It, it took a, it took a lot of learning on my part to 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 relinquish. Yeah, but who are you? I, uh, don't, I don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. It, I got you. I got way too used to doing doing way too much stuff. But then I think the benefit of that was you were able to know how to hire, know how to vet, know how to follow up and check on people's work. So when they showed it to you, you you didn't like just go, oh, okay, I guess I got to trust you. You know what to look for, which made you an incredible asset. Yes. Because, I mean, I'm sure there's fraud that happens in every business. And, you know, <laughs> if someone finds a way, oh, this guy's not going to check my work or know what he, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. Oh, a little bit here, a little bit there. And you're like, whoa, hold on. And I'm sure you've caught stuff, not fraudulently necessarily, but like, hey, wait a minute. Why are we, why are we doing that? And like, oh, I don't know. And like, ah, no, it's, yeah, let's hold on. Let's go reevaluate. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, definitely the knowledge base gives you, gives you that, uh, knowing like, wait a second, I, like, cause I've done this like, right. and I know what's going on and I know, I know how this, this should be. Um, so yeah. Well, dude, I, I mean, usually here I'd be saying, you know, obviously people can get in touch with you. you you're, you're not selling product. You're not, uh, I guess, <laughs> mentorship. You don't have a book yet. Do you? No, not, not at this point. Not Are you going to write juncture. one? I think you should. I'm a, I, I, I've, I've toyed with the idea of it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm way more insular and, and uh, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't, it's not that all the experiences and the things, the things that I've, that I've experienced through these years are certainly interesting enough that they would they'd make a book and not in a tell all kind of like, you know, kind of way more in a, like, this is the shit that happened to me. This is the shit right, that I, right. that I, that I, you wouldn't believe that this, 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 and this. And I mean, that, that goes for so many of us. So many of them, uh, so many of us, especially in this business, you know, have had, have had all those shared, ex- those experiences, like those so, unique experiences. 
if you don't do it, maybe I will. We could do it together. Um, maybe we could create a book and interview all of those people, get some of their stories and create a comp, like a compilation book. So yeah. it's not so huge of an undertaking, but I mean, while we've got people, you know, kind of not working as much and, and maybe they're considering moving on to another thing, maybe they'd love to regale some of their, uh, their challenges or successes. I know the ex- I know the exact guy for you and I to uh, to talk to about that. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do that then. Cool. So uh, let, let's continue to add value to people's lives for nothing the way we are right now, and and be present to the possibility of of transformation, change, and beyond. Because uh, this is a topsy turvy world at the moment. Yeah, and it's difficult. Uh, uh, admittedly, uh, it's it's difficult. Um, it's very. I mean. I'm not. I'm not uh, immune to it. Uh, it's been. Dep- it's been depressing. It's been sad. Uh, it's. It's. It's frightening in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, you know, it, it, it's. A, it's a difficult, difficult time that everybody's going through, and uh, just ma- maintaining. Like yeah. that's it. Ma- maintain. Well, and, and that's why I offer the guided hypnotic meditations. My Freedom Hack program is all about state management and dealing with our relationship with what's happening out there because we can't change what's going on outside. All we could do is, is mitigate, modify, um, create empowering meanings, look at our beliefs so that we can move forward so we can take advantage of whatever opportunities are presented. But also to keep in mind... And, and I, I would say this, I'd say this daily to everybody. If I told you six months ago that we'd be, that this is where we'd be at in six, in six months, this is what, this is where we're going to be at. Nobody would believe it. Right. Six months from, six months from now, you will not believe like how, potentially how insane and crazy things can possibly be. So well, I'm hoping it's better. I would hope so. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm well, dude, I think we're running out of stuff. So I think, I think the aliens, that's, that's the next thing that because, you know, we're, we're running out of stuff to, to kind of fight around about down no, here. No, we're not. We're, we're 132 days away from, from, from an elect, from a, the, an insanely important election, everything like that. that. Six months prior to this, no one would have believed it. Uh, what I'm saying is six months from now, Holy crap, hold everybody hold on to your hold on to your heads. Well, and and this is then back to why it's so important that we manage our states because look, I'm uh, I I have very successful friends. Um I I've made it a point to, in, to interview. Like these are the conversations I have with my friends that, you know, like just hang out. I meet them like, "Oh, I'm just we just talk about stuff and like how'd you do this?" Right. And when politics comes up, Every single one of them has said this. I have my preferences. I have my preferences. But when someone I didn't want was in office, I made it work. When someone I wanted was in office, I made it work. But I never took my eye off of what was most important, which was doing my duty, serving my clients, serving my staff, serving my family, period. And it's very interesting because I think all too often people are making it too much about the election instead of what they could be doing now, which is. I think the election is only one. I think election is only one component of it. But what I'm saying is my, my, my bigger point is to the um, just the, the unpredictability. Right. Well, again, that's why I think it's, it might be aliens. That's all. 
Right. So, like I said, un, in, in terms of unpredictability, six months ago, no one would have believed it. Not, right. not even in just terms of elections, this and everything like that. I'm saying six months from now, unpredictability, like it, it might, we, it, things might be absolutely insane. Well, just to, 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 yeah, the, I the wish way, we'd be putting on The way on to our... be is to maintain, is, is right now, please, everyone just maintain. Well, and I, I would uh, suggest, yeah, notice, check your emotions. Don't let them get out of control. And uh, get you know start arming you know with some spiritual and emotional armor, um, mm. because I think the a lot of what's happening right now is that people are um, people are so emotionally raw for so many reasons, and yep. and they're all valid. That it's like you know if if you know you could take my arm and you could smack my arm and and nothing, but if I had a big gaping wound on it the breeze going by i'm like ah and right it's, now it's exposure it's yeah, uh, yeah I, I totally get it and and, and it, it's amazing it's numbness because i think people are people are are numb right now from 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 being just all being well, numb. it's it's so complex because it's both yeah yeah exactly exactly you, you know <laughs> and i and and there's and i think the challenge is we all want the simple answer and the answer is not going to be simple it's, yeah. it's going to be something no one ever thought of. It's going to be something that is, you know, elusive because right now we're looking for the one pill rather than opening up to. So you, you just, you just said it perfectly. Open-mindedness, yep. open-mindedness to what, to what might be. Yeah. And, and that's the purpose of, of this experience. So I, hopefully we've opened some minds as to what's possible, uh, how important diversity thinking, diversity behavior is, yep. uh, how important stick-to-itiveness and not, I mean, you could have given up on the industry back when all that happened, you know, when, when Napster and the technology and all of that, you could have been like, oh, the music is never going to be the same. Record companies are closing. I better fo fold up my tent now. I'd be before it disappears yeah. right and had you done that you wouldn't be where you are today because um, i'm going to hallucinate there were some people who did potentially give up because they're like oh man i don't know what's going to happen with the industry here yeah it's true you know, same happened with real estate and all of that so dude thank you let's talk more about the uh let's get that book happening i think that would be phenomenal um, that'd be great yeah and thank you i know we went way longer than uh, we had originally talked about okay but, uh, I, 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 have much, I have the, I have the, I have the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I love you too, man. It's, uh, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate doing this. Uh, I've, I've been catching a bunch of them and, and it's, it's awesome. And, uh, it's made me very happy to be able to, to, to talk to you for a while about things. Beautiful. And do you see a beat Bill Porcelli was on it? Do you know, Bill? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that awesome. was fun. And, um, D's going to be on it. Jesse Snyder, uh, was doing it and reach out to Tony Arnell and all those guys. And, uh, if there's anyone you could think of, especially some artists, I'd love to get some artists perspectives. Um, and then other, you know, other managers, other, any, anybody I have, uh, I also have some comedians. I have Tommy, Tommy Savitt, Craig Shoemaker, Dennis Blair, oh, cool. they're all coming on. Um, so I'm, I'm looking to have as much of a diverse, group of people from multiple industries to, to kind of share what's worked for them and, and how they're making it work now, real time. I'd love to spread the word. So yeah, I'll, I'll help any way I can. Awesome, brother. Well, I love you for who you are and who you aren't. And uh, <laughs> we will see you soon. Thanks for that. I appreciate right. it. Thank you, brother. Love you. All right, big love. Thank you so much for 
stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.